everybody, and welcome to... A Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition Live Play. I'm your friendly keeper, Jaso, and I'm joined by my friends. Who are you guys? I'm, uh, I'm Luke Gamble, and I will be playing the character Felix Kloster. My name is Kevin Winterfeld, and I am playing Joseph Soaring Eagle. My name is Bailey Arms. I'll be playing the character Tilly Savage. And I'm Sarah, and I will be playing Carrie Adams. Previously on The Pine. Carrie interviews Fawn and Jake to learn more about the disappearance of Mio. She finds out that Jake, in a drunken stupor, shot and killed Harmony, a white elk that would visit behind the bed and breakfast. Because of how much it meant to Fawn, and feeling guilty that it was her fault leading up to the events of its death, Mio grew even more reclusive as a result. After touching base with Fawn, she learns that Mio did in fact return not long ago, during the night that Jake saw Crystal's silhouette approaching from the woods, nearly shooting her as a result. Realizing that Jake may be a danger to himself and those around him, Carrie decides that he would probably be best left at the police station until she can unearth a few more details surrounding her sudden disappearance. After dropping Jake off and checking in with Sheriff Grady, the Thunderbirds split up to cover more ground. Carrie and Joseph head to Mio's apartment. While searching there, they find a strange hardcover titled Book of Shadows tossed in the corner of her bedroom. As they try to examine it, they find that the contents has been torn out. Seeing that the rest of the place seems to have been abandoned for days, they take their leave. Meanwhile, Felix, Tilly, and Fawn arrive at Whitetail Taxidermy, where they speak to the owner, Neil. He reveals that Mio was one of his best employees, as well as a sharp taxidermist in her own right. He mentions that he had her working on a horror-themed exhibit just in time for Halloween spanning a portion of the shop, though her disappearance has left it incomplete. Inviting the Thunderbirds to take a look at what she had set up so far, they find a multitude of strange insects and creatures made from multiple animals, among them a tall elk creature that stands upright like a human. Fawn mentions Jake's last run-in with Mio, and how she said to search her workplace. Taking a closer look at some of the strange fictional insect displays, they find a small slip of paper. The majority of what is written on it seems to be scribbled over, but leaving a single phone number visible. With this, the team prepares to rendezvous at Heaven's Haven, where they plan to meet Mio's relative and hopefully learn more about what's going on in the Glade. Oh, very peculiar. Well, perhaps Carrie will have some ideas about ways to see through all these scribbles, but for now, we at least have a phone number. You guys also see a rack with all kinds of cards on it depicting monsters. These like, uh, these like, is, this is just like nearby? Yeah, nearby. Close to where you guys are. As Felix goes up to take a look at him, he notices that written on these cards, as well as drawn on one side and written on the back, are descriptions of all kinds of fictional creatures, stuff that is completely fictional to someone like Felix. <laughs> he sees, you know, the Sasquatch, one of them is the Wampus Cat, the Donkey Lady, you know, the Jersey Devil. He notices as he kind of looks down that he has stepped on one that's fallen on the floor as you kind of move your foot to see what it is. It's a picture of a deer-like creature that is 
part skeleton, part deer. What is the name on this card? As you go down to reach it and turn it around, you read that this one is Wendigo. Wendigo, Wendigo. You kind of quickly peruse the small paragraph that accompanies the title. Uh, This monster comes from Algonquin folklore of Canada and in the northern part of the U.S. The Wendigo is a large furry beast that eats people, but it has a more supernatural story than, say, Sasquatch. Described as a bipedal creature with big eyes and very skinny body, it is said to be forever hungry. The spirit of the Wendigo can possess people and induce them to cannibalism. Some tales say the creatures were once humans that became possessed and then turned into monsters. And if a human were to ever practice cannibalism, the act itself invites possession by a Wendigo. Ghastly. I wonder if Joseph knows anything more than this. Perhaps there's some... Hmm, some of his background may may tell us more. Is there... So this card was, was on the floor. As you are kind of thinking this over in your mind, you have the card in hand, uh, you're startled to hear a voice behind you. Bah! I see you've taken a particular interest into these things, huh? Felix turns around. Uh, he turns around. Tilly, you hear a voice come out of nowhere. You guys turn around. You see a somewhat short woman with a ponytail. She kind of has a bit of a nerdy look. She has the 80s, like, larger-than-life uh, glasses. Nice. She has, I, d- I don't want to say frumpy, but it is kind of frumpy, some of her clothing. Sure. She looks, she looks like she doesn't dress to impress. Sierra, I'm from Cryptomaniacs, she says, holding out her hand. I think Felix kind of fumbles with the paper and the card, and without realizing it, probably folds up the card with the paper and puts it in his pocket, to, and then extends his hand uh, to shake hers. Neil said you guys are back here. I was terribly interested in all this. I happened to see it one day while they were moving some things, and... Poked my head back here. Are you the uh, the new hire that Neil mentioned? Oh no no, I, I work over at the Cryptomaniac shop. It's it's for uh, cryptozoids. If you're familiar with oh, those. Oh yes yes. Well, I'm it seems with... like you are taking a look at them. I'm familiar with the uh, the concept. Yes. I was wondering, are you guys the ones looking into the recent disappearances going on around here? Tilly is just going to look at Felix. <laughs> Indeed we are. A small neighborhood watch initiative created by Sheriff Grady. Well, um, I understand that maybe my line of work is not exactly the uh, most normal and believable, but a lot of strange things happen that people can't exactly put a name to, so that's what I investigate. And She kind of holds, she fumbles around in her purse and pulls out a camera. Felix is like is really, like, fighting back the urge to be extremely rude to her. But he's not going to. Alright, so so just to be clear, like, like she seems to be, like, part of, like, a fan club for, like, cryptids and that sort of thing. Uh, she works over Cryptomaniacs, which is basically a shop about uh, cryptozoids, and she has, from what you guys can tell, a big passion for it. She just pulls out her camera and shows you guys and says, Anything strange around here I, I want to look into. It's part of my job as well. But uh, I was just wondering if maybe you guys had found anything strange. Uh, strange. I 
don't think so. I currently believe right now that the disappearance probably was of natural causes, and as such, we are investigating it. Um, did you find anything strange? Have any strange pictures? She starts kind of messing with her camera and says, Nah, I wish. Nothing yet, but, well, you know. This town is kind of quiet and keeps to itself. I moved in not too long ago, so I'm just sort of getting my bearings, but a lot of strange things. People really keep to themselves around here, and I think if we keep digging enough, we might find something. That'd be great for my line of work, and I was just wanting to introduce myself when I saw you guys back here. I stop in, of course, quite often. It's I love coming in here and seeing the things. But I just want to let you guys know if... Maybe you don't necessarily believe in it, but if you come across anything strange, that my doors are open to you. <laughs> I'm sure if we ever do, Sierra, we'll be sure to drop by first thing. She gives you a smile. Not really picking up on your sarcasm. Hey, feel free to stop by the little lounge, stop by for a drink. Oh, of course. I was just there the other night. The place is a lot more lively than any of the bars in town, that's for sure. It is the best. All right, well, gotta get going. I just wanted to introduce myself. Very good, very good. Good luck with your work, and like I said, if you need anything, uh, I'd be happy to help. I'm always looking for a story. Of course. She goes to leave. <sighs> Poor girl, wasting her youth. Well, I mean, if she's making a living out of it, she's gotta have some kind of following. I suppose, I suppose. Not my place to judge. Felix is going to walk over to this upright elk thing. This looks like an elk skeleton that for the most part looks like it, the original sort of elk bone anatomy is intact, except that it's standing like a humanoid and has the hands and feet of an actual humanoid. And the difference between where the elk ends and where maybe the human bones begin, you're not really sure. It's very well done. It, all kind of almost looks natural like it was meant to be this way she whoever mio you know her line of work like neil saying seems to stack up that she does a great job at it very creative would you say is it wearing like anything specific like black robes or anything like anything um not this one no certainly macabre but i imagine it'll scare some children come halloween it is different well we got the number or whatever Mia left behind, so I don't know if there's anything else left here to look for. Well, we have some time. Should we wait till the investigator gets back before we give it a ring? I suppose we could try it now, maybe borrow Neil's phone. Let's give it a ring now. Alright, that sounds good. You guys leave this sort of darkly lit, spooky, mixed-up animal hallway. Neil's back at the desk. A customer looks like they're leaving the desk. Uh, you kind of see the door closing also from what looks like uh, Sierra. Uh, Neil kind of looks over seeing you guys and said, I hope you found more than I did. Ah, uh, well, um, we did find some some uh, interesting playing cards, but nothing nothing else in particular. Uh, uh, can we borrow your phone for a moment? I assume you have a phone in this establishment. Oh, yeah, sure. There's a phone kind of right next to him. He just puts his hand and pushes it over towards you guys on the desk. T Tilly, would you like to call, or should I do the honors? I'll go ahead and call. You call the number that you can barely make out. It's 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 at least legible, is the only thing legible on this piece of paper. 
there is no answer after several rings. Hmm. Well? I suppose we'll just have to try again later. Do you guys know who the number is to? Neil says, kind of looking, seeing that you guys have... We're using the paper to call it. Just giving a call to Heaven's Haven. Uh, we are meeting the investigator Carrie up there later on and wanted to see if she was already arrived. Oh, sure. Okay, he says. Another customer kind of walks up and he pulls her to the side as they kind of go look at some stuff. I suppose, uh, Tilly, did, are we done here? Is there any, uh, is there anything else we should be checking for? Vaughn says that this is probably the thing that we came here to look for. This is what Mio said for us to find. I'm not familiar with whose number this is, but, I mean, it's something at least. It's a start. It's a, it's a clue, Felix says, getting kind of, kind of giddy. Oh, this investigation thing is fun. Oh, oh, yeah, it would be like a lunch-early-dinner kind of scenario. What do you guys want to go have? Like a like a deli sandwich? Like, just like a turkey sandwich or something, you know? Maybe like a bag of chips, like a little sandwich shop or something? A fawn orders some type of just, like, bread and green stuff. Over lunch, Felix asks Tilly how she slept and how her evening was. First night in the, uh... In the, uh, the, uh, the little clubhouse, he calls it. It was a, a restless night, so to say. It was, uh, I had a bad dream, but other than that, it was, it was alright. Nothing weird happened. What'd you dream about? Uh, you know, just typical, where am I dream. Going into the woods, getting lost kind of thing. The woods? Oh, she says, take another bite. You see anything weird? I remember seeing a grave, a grave of something, but in a mist, I don't remember too much. A grave? Mm-hmm. Like a tombstone? Couldn't make out what was on it, but there was a mist. I followed this mist into the forest, and it led me to this grave, and then I woke up. Bon almost looks a little confused and just keeps eating. Hmm. Felix takes a mental note of that. Well, I'm sure it was, uh... It was, uh, just waking up in a new place, Tilly. Seems pretty normal. How was your sleep? Oh, like a babe. I, I slept the whole night through. This old, tough back uh, can sleep pretty much anywhere these years. Felix finishes his sample. Fawn kind of seems like she probably needs to get back because there's not a ton of people who stay at the uh, place that she works, but she does have a job that she needs to kind of keep to, so... You guys are traveling towards Heaven's Haven. Now, you guys are taking separate cars, right? Yes. Yeah, we, we dropped Fawn off. Tilly and I dropped Fawn off, I think. So, Fawn is back at the Ivory Elk Ben Breakfast alone with Bubby. So, it's Carrie and Joseph in one vehicle, and then the Doctor and just Tilly in the other, right? Well, you guys are on your way to Heaven's Haven. On the map, it's on the far right side, close to the meat processing plant as you guys drive there it starts to rain Tilly will just stare out the window it was so nice earlier too 
So you guys arrive at Heaven's Haven. It looks probably like you would imagine. It's a place, uh, sort of like a hospice, for probably mostly elderly people who, you know, can't take care of themselves anymore or have mental problems. But also in general, I don't know if Tilly has mentioned it to other people or not, but her father is here. I think, actually, I think Joe would have known, since he's part of the town, I think he would have known. Oh, is it like common knowledge then? Yeah, I would say, so what happened was uh, Tilly's dad went jogging. Uh, he, he used to jog in the woods, in the trail on the trail. He uh, never came, he, do, he did it in the morning, early morning. He didn't come home at his normal time and was gone for most of the day. And they found him just wandering in the woods. He didn't remember what he was doing or, you know, really where he was going. But uh, he's at the Haven because he has dementia now, so that's the story. You guys both arrive and pull into the parking lot of the Heaven's Haven. How hard is it raining right now? If you were to stand outside, it'd be pretty wet. But it's it's not okay. it's not terrible. But it seems pretty it seems pretty cloudy overhead. Like maybe it would pick up mm-hmm. towards the evening. You also just from common knowledge, know that maybe this is a good thing with the fires that are happening uh, up north. Felix kind of is frustrated as he looks around his SUV and realizes that he didn't bring an umbrella, so he's just going to have to hoof it through the rain. You could always make a luck roll to see if you have one. Oh, I I suppose I, I left it in here last time it was raining. It just so happens to be big enough for both you and Tilly. Oh, how how nice. Get it out. Get out, stand in the uh, stand in the rain for a little bit, I guess. We pull up. Felix is kind of looking around for like a main office or something. Just following Carrie. You guys see the main office. Uh, so I, I guess we'll start heading on that way as we see Joseph and Carrie. You guys head inside. It's uh, it looks like you said you expect it's kind of a mix between somewhat of a hospital look but also furnished with comfortable furniture that you'd find probably for most people who are actually living here so as you guys head in you see the front desk and you see that there's a woman up at the front and she is busy looking down at some papers and does not Felix kind of steps off to the side and shakes off the umbrella um Expecting Carrie to take the lead here since she's the law enforcement officer. I'm putting my hair into a ponytail since it's so wet. As you guys kind of stand there for a second, she looks up and notices you. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, can I help you? I'm going to explain to her that I'm working on a case looking for the aunt of Mio Kwani. Oh, yes. Uh, your detective, uh, Miss Adams, you said? That is correct, yes. Okay. Usually, in most cases, this would be a situation where only family would be permitted. Um, let me go back and check, though, because you are a detective. I just need to make sure and clear this with HIPAA law. Okay. Uh, if you'll excuse me for just a moment. Sure. She kind of goes back. You, you guys see some chairs and stuff if you want to wait there. Sure. As you guys are waiting, there is... Behind the counter, there's a couple people. There's a, the woman up at the front. One of the women answers the phone and, and, and hangs a phone up after uh, talking to somebody, and she notices Tilly standing there. Oh, Miss Savage, she says. You must have gotten her message. 
No, I didn't get your message. We meant to to call and speak with you yesterday. I don't think you were home. We we tried leaving a message. Um, your father actually wanted to speak with you. Is everything all right? That seems so. He just uh, seems to want to talk to you. Sometimes he, you know, he has his bouts, but uh, he's coherent most of the time. So, uh, would you want to go see him? Uh, yeah. You you know the room, of course. She kind of just she's ready to lead you to him if you're ready to go now. Yeah, Tilly's gonna go ahead and head over to her father's room. Okay, so Tilly goes with this other woman at the front desk, and she begins to lead her to her father's area. The woman who had went back to just double-check on everything comes back now, and she says, Okay, Miss Adams, we were able to clear that because this is a case that involves uh, missing persons, that we can let you speak to her. There is an issue, however, and that Nokomos only speaks Algonquin, unfortunately. I look over at Joseph. This is a special situation, but as long as you're present, Miss Adams, both you and Joseph could go in and try and speak with her. I think I should warn you, though. Nokomos is... Well, she has a case of dementia, similar to a lot of the folk here. However... Her condition is more severe than the others. I don't know how much of a response you'd get out of her. If you just don't mind me asking, is that like a common thing at this location? A, a, a lot of dementia? We're not sure if it's exactly hereditary or what, but it seems that throughout the generations, a lot of people in the town either say or hear things that clearly don't work with normal reality and become a danger to themselves and others and eventually are permitted. It's strange, but we don't exactly have any type of full understanding of why it's so present in the town. Interesting. Okay. We just do the best that we can to treat those who come down with it. How exactly, I'm just curious now, how exactly do you treat dementia? Felix probably knows that it's not treatable and the best that you can do is try to just take care of that person and try to keep them grounded in reality for as long as they can. Most people who get it are typically of older age anyway. Speaking of which, this all makes Felix really uncomfortable and he doesn't really like being here. Alright. Okay. Let's go back and see her, I guess. She gets ready to lead you there. Is there like a pad of paper around? Like maybe like some stationery and a pin? Like with the the Heaven's Haven? Sure, she says, kind of handing you a extra piece of paper. Felix realized he doesn't really have a journal or anything to keep with him for, for notes, so he's gonna he's gonna start jotting down what, what's happened during the day. Yeah. Well, while he's waiting on everyone else, he may as well. So, Tilly's going to see her father. We'll, we'll cut to that, but let's first deal with Joseph and Carrie, who are being led by this uh, clerk here who works here. She leads you through some of the halls. You guys exit the main building and kind of walk underneath this walkway that's covered so you guys aren't drenched and enter a separate building. You guys enter here and you notice that the comfortable furniture look that was present in the main building is replaced by a more sort of clinical wing as you walk down this hallway. You can you can kind of get the idea that maybe this is an area where those who suffer from more severe cases are kept. And she leads you to the end of a hallway and pulls out some keys 
unlocks the door and lets you guys in. And as you guys enter, you see a short woman who has her back turns towards you, whose hair is large, long, and, and ragged. And she has sort of like that bed that's in the middle of the room, and she is sitting on the edge of the bed with her back turned towards you. And as you kind of look through the room, you kind of see what you would probably expect to see out of someone who is an aunt and probably deeply Cheyenne. There's some Indian motifs and paintings and stuff around the room probably to try and, you know, keep her in her element. And there is a window that she's probably peering out that's against the wall where she is facing. I guess I'll ask Joseph to, like, speak to her. Okay. As you go around and turn the corner, you see that she definitely looks like an elderly a Cheyenne Native American. And she, yes, is sort of intently staring out this window at the rain outside. And she doesn't seem to notice you as you turn the corner and kind of face her. Okay. I guess in Algonquin I'm going to be saying, uh, Nikomos, hello. There's no response at all. She just kind of keeps staring off in the distance. Okay. Joseph asks her if she's seen her niece at all. Mr. Comos, can you hear me? There's no response. Are her eyes moving at all? Is she, like, there? Like, at all? She's blinking very slowly, and, yeah, she's just sort of, like, staring right out the window. And she, she, her eyes didn't even really glance over Joseph. It seems like she's just out of it. Okay. Miss Nicomos, my name is Joseph, and I'm trying to find your niece, Mio Kwame. As you finish saying this and you say Miyokwani, Nakomos breaks her bead line that she was staring out this window and finally looks at you and says, Miyokwani, Miyokwani, have you seen, have you seen her? That's what I, I I'm trying to find her, ma'am. She seems to be missing. Ha- have you seen her recently? She doesn't really seem to respond you wait a couple seconds and she begins rocking back and forth a little and says have you seen Mio have you seen Mio Kwani where is she I'm trying to find her ma'am do you remember the last time you saw Mio Kwani she looks back towards the window and says the heart and just keeps staring out the window What about the heart? She doesn't say anything, but she begins to rock back and forth a little more now. I look over to Carrie. She seemed a little responsive when I mentioned Yoquani, but she said something about the heart and was asking if I had seen her, but it's all I can really get from her so far. The woman who brought you guys over here, she's kind of still standing at the door, just making sure. The woman sort of politely kind of whispers to you, Carrie, and just mentions that Nakomos 
because of her condition, has been in this room here and really hasn't had much interaction at all with Mio for years. At least, you know, with everything they have on file. It doesn't seem like Mio's really even visited her too much recently. Has she always been in this room with the window? She used to be in the main hall, but her condition worsened over the past few years, so we had to move her here. She goes in and out. Sometimes she's more responsive, and other times she is, unfortunately. Just like this, she's... gone. Has she ever said anything, or done anything lately? There's very little of us here who can actually understand her, but most of the time, Nokomos keeps quiet. She's very reserved. She doesn't really say much at all. What I feel like a normal police officer trying to get information would do, I disrespectfully stand in front of where she's looking and kind of try to get her attention to try to get her to be more responsive. Carrie comes around the bed and sort of stands in front of the the window that she is staring at. I kind of just say obviously in English like we're looking for Mio like kind of just over and over again like in a way where somebody who obviously doesn't understand any of this is kind of just like wouldn't understand the situation I'm just kind of being like loud like hello hey hello are you here we're looking for Mio like kind of like obnoxiously it takes a couple seconds because she just seems to still almost want to look through you out this window she doesn't respond but after a couple seconds she stops rocking and notices that you are finally trying to get her attention she shifts over she kind of scooches over to the top of the bed near her pillow next to a small set of drawers and you see that she opens the top drawer and begins to rifle through it and In a couple seconds, she pulls out what looks like a stick figure that has been woven together. And she doesn't hand it to you, Carrie, but she hands it to Joseph. I put out my hand. She puts it in your hand. As you take a look at this figure, it is a humanoid-looking stick figure just made out of some sticks and twigs. But it has horns at the top, like antler-like horns. I look at it. I mean, have I seen anything like this before? No, I mean, this would probably just come across to you as maybe maybe something related to your heritage, but nothing nothing that particularly tells you anything. It's odd. Miss Nokomis, what is this? Does this have to do with Miyokwani? She turns away from the window because Carrie's blocking it, and pulls her her legs up to her and wraps her arms around her legs and kind of just stares at the wall now away from you guys is there anything else in the room that looks like this there's nothing else in the room that looks like this mind if i get past you okay sure i'm gonna try to try to get in her uh, eyesight you can trust me i'm here to help you Nokomis, is there anything you can tell me about what this doll is or your niece, Miyokwani? She lets go of her legs 
and crawls across to the end of the bed, kind of where you're standing. Gets close to your ear and just tells you, Run, Joseph. Run. And then she immediately kind of assumes her leg scrunch. Uh, well, um, I, I'm i going to take a step back. I'm obviously a bit flustered. Uh, I, I look up at Carrie. I'm like, she, she was there for a second. She knew me. She told me to run. I don't know. I mean, I guess I can ask that nurse lady if we have any permission to look for anything possibly relating to Mia or her whereabouts in the room. Sure, we don't seem to have anything on file that would suggest that Mio has visited any time recently, but... When was the last time Nicolmus was outside? It's been some time. She used to have regularly walks outside, but she has tried to escape a few times. Where does she go when she escapes? It's just part of dementia. She seems to... In the middle of her walks, we believe that she would just forget where she was and get scared and run off into the woods a few times. So from there, she's had to, unfortunately, spend the majority of her time inside. When she's run into the woods, has she ever come back with any injuries or anything like that? We always have orderlies that would watch over those closely, even if they're out taking a walk, so she never got too far before we were able to catch up with her. Like I said, uh, we don't have anything that would suggest that Mia's visited recently, but as long as one of us are here to, you know, just keep an eye on you guys and make sure that Nokomos is okay, you're more than welcome to look through her room for okay. anything. I would like to check that drawer that she just pulled that thing out of. As you peer into this drawer and look around, you don't see... You see some things that Carrie would probably assume that a woman who is probably full-blooded Cheyenne would have. It's all Native American related. It looks like maybe there's a dream catcher there. Similar stuff. You see another stick figure in there. This one in the shape of what looks like to you a, a spider because of the number of legs it has. Beyond that, you find a candle figure inside. This candle figure looks similar to the stick figure that Nokomos had. It is a wax figure. Uh, because it's in Nokomos' room, it, you know, let's just say that you can tell it's a candle figurine, but because of Nokomos' condition, the wick has been pulled out of it, so she can't, you know, try and light it or anything like that. But it is a strange black humanoid figure, similar to the stick figure that Joseph was given, and it has horns coming from the top of its head. I don't know if we should continue to press Nokomos anymore. She seems pretty out of it. Can I check the window that she keeps staring out of? As you look out the window, you see the tree line and the dense forest that envelopes the surrounding area behind the Heaven's Haven. Doesn't look like there's anything in particular that she was looking at. And her window doesn't look like it's, like, securely always locked? Uh, looks pretty secure to you. Can I try to open the window? You go to try to open it, and it seems like the orderly is a little uneasy with that happening. I just want to make sure that no one's been able to get in and out of her room. It's kind of odd to me that she has these items, but you did say that she has previously gone outside. So I just want to make sure that nobody's 
giving her anything or they're, you know, I'm just, I'm just making sure. These are all items that have been securely checked before given to her, I guess. And nobody thought it was weird that she has all these stick figures like this? Oh, uh, we assume that this is part of her heritage. We, we wouldn't want to deprive her of these items. Scares continues. Better to keep those blood relatives close. After all, they may be the only ones who believe you when you tell them about that thing staring in through your window at night. Hold on to a loved one and keep it tuned in to 69.9. The Touch. It's Julian Bachelor with Family Ties. Brother, I can see you in my dreams, in my dreams. But I can't figure out what it means. Tilly, the orderly, brings you over to your father's room, and you've you've probably visited your father a few times, you know. Yeah. And yeah. you know that your father has had bouts of dementia, but he's he's not nearly as bad as someone like Nakamas. So right, she is. This isn't anything new for you. So maybe it's been a little, you know, maybe a, a little 
longer than usual since you've seen your dad, but it, it's, you know, just, uh, you've talked just, to him Yeah, before. just like another visit. So she leads you into the room and, and opens the door. Mickey is watching a what looks like a soap opera television show and says, Oh, Tilly, I'm so glad you've come. How you doing, big guy? I'm doing great. Uh, I feel like I'm getting even better with everything that's been they've been helping me out here. There's a lot of mental exercises that they do that helps me out. You got my message, right? I didn't. He sort of looks over at the orderly and says, uh, Susan, could we have a few minutes alone, please? The orderly seems to know Mickey and says, sure, sure. She sees that Tilly is there with her dad. And again, you know, her dad is not in any bad situation like Nakomas is, so she politely closes the door and leaves you too. Tilly, honestly, how have you been recently? You've been okay, right? I've been okay, yes. It's It's been interesting recently, just meeting a lot of new people lately. Tilly, what have your dreams been like? My most recent dream... I was led into the woods. It's it. It was a little weird. I, I dreamt about the place I was staying, and from what I remember, there's some mist that led me into the woods. He kind of nods his head as you tell him this, and there's let's say there's a chair there next to his bed that you're sitting in. He kindly looks over at you. He shuts the TV off and places a hand on yours and says. You know, I've told you that I've had lots of dreams similar to that throughout my life, right? You did tell me about all your crazy dreams that you used to have. I think that's what maybe inspired you to always want to learn about these cool stories that you hear. These tall tales, stuff like that. Mickey looks over at you and says, I had a dream, Tilly, about you. Recently, that's why I called you. I've been thinking about you a lot. I just want you to know that in my dream, I saw you helping people. Well, I mean, helping like, like how? You know how our dreams are, they're pretty surreal at times. I'd say that our dreams are special. Would you agree with that? I would. I think all kinds of dreams are special, though. I mean, I get it. I get that. Sometimes some of the things I see, whether I'm awake or asleep, is probably one of the reasons that I'm here, but I don't know if exactly you can boil it down to something like dementia. I think maybe sometimes what we see really does mean something. And in my dream, you are helping a lot of people. You are helping your friend, Joseph. And you are helping somebody who is part of the law. And you are especially helping this woman. She had strawberry blonde hair and she she needed your help until you were able to be there for her. Strawberry blonde hair. Tilly... You've always been somebody who throughout your life has done good things for people. 
when everybody was down, you were always there to try and help pick them up off the ground. Promise me you'll help these people. I will. I will definitely try to help them. I, if if I run into them, I will definitely help them. I know it can be scary sometimes what we see and what we dream, but try to look for the meaning in it. Okay? Try to understand it. And if if you can help these people, if you can help that woman, just do your best. Okay? I I definitely will. Kind of nods. How's things going at the lounge? It's busy as usual. It's party every night, it seems. Keeping safe, I hope. Yes. Well, good. I, I don't want you to put yourself in danger. Hey, well, you know, Luna, she's got her eye out for me constantly. She always did. And you're a smart young woman. I know you'll do the best that you can. I just... I had that dream, and it was like... It was like I was awake... And I was seeing you in person. I just thought that maybe it was important to tell you that for whatever reason. It must have been a sign. I'll keep it in mind. And if I see that woman with strawberry blonde hair, I will do my best to help her with whatever she, she may need help with. Maybe you won't even see her, but maybe one day if you run into someone like that and they're in need, you can provide help. Tilly has this conversation with her dad, and it seems kind of meaningful. He seems happy to see you again, if anything else. And your dad is always going to have been like this, especially in these recent years. You know he was inducted here because of his bouts of dementia. But you've also had some pretty weird dreams, especially lately, mm-hmm. so... I'm gonna... I'm actually gonna try to... I'm gonna get close to her, I'm gonna sit on the bed next to her, um, and just calmly go, Nicomos, oh, is someone in trouble? Is someone out there? Is that why I need to run? Is Miyokwani in trouble? Uh, Joseph, you notice that she begins to look your way, but cuts back and looks back out the window. You feel like maybe some part of this older woman wants to tell you something but either she can't or maybe because of her situation she is has trouble communicating with you it's hard to tell we are from the same tribe we are of the same people and i just want to make sure that miyokwani returns home safe if there's anything you can tell me please she says nothing. I get up and I, I, I look at her again and I thank you for your time. Uh, the orderly seems to step out of the doorway and is probably ready for you guys to head out. Are you guys gonna leave Nakomos' room? Wait, do you still have that fucking thing with you? I do. I was actually, um... Ooh, I don't know if you should keep that thing. No, I, I'm actually, I'm gonna ask the orderly, I'm like, do you think it'd be a problem if we hang on to this? As you go to leave and show this item to the orderly, Nokomos jumps out of her bed and grabs your hand, Joseph, and says, The red. The red. And she points at the stick figure that you have. And she almost kind of keeps repeating this. The red. The red. The red. The red. The red. The red. 
What, what do you mean, the red? This? What is this? What is this? The red. The red. Slowly lets go of your hand and kind of curls back into the bed. The orderly looks a little concerned about what's happening here, but knows that, you know, maybe you guys are trying your best just to get information, so she just keeps watching. I mean, you can keep asking her stuff, Joseph. I'm not, I mean, more information we have. I don't know what she's telling you, but I'm sure it's important. Well, just now, I was zooming, she, when she pointed at this, she just keeps saying the red. She, after saying this, is breathing pretty heavily, and the orderly looks somewhat concerned. Maybe we should go. Between your heritage and your crafting skills, you know that this seems like a mix between maybe some type of elk or deer and a human figure. Beyond that, there's not much else to get from it. Okay, I am going to hold on to this, even... You know that the Cheyenne, as well as Native Americans in general, tend to have, you know, some legends and folklore dealing with this stuff, but there's nothing there's nothing that would lead you to believe that it would help you with this case. Ask her, you know, I was just thinking, Joseph, ask her about that book we found, the Book of Shadows in uh, Mio's apartment. The Book of what? The orderly says. The Book of Shallows. The orderly sort of resumes her stance sort of like in the doorway and kind of looks at you guys and says, Listen, I'm more than happy to let you speak with her as much as possible, but uh, because of her condition, maybe it's better that you give her some time to relax, maybe. I agree. I just... I mean, it's obviously very imperative. This girl needs to be found. She's involved in another case where somebody else possibly got shot. So I really need to find her, because technically what she possibly did was kidnapping. I understand that, Miss Adams, but Nokomos, I mean, she's been here for years. She's had no uh, escapes beyond running a couple yards in front of an orderly outside on walks years ago. I don't know how much information you could gain from her. I'm happy to cooperate. I just, I, I care for Nokomos' health, that's all. If I come back here and she's not here, I'm going to be really upset. She kind of gives you a confused look and says, uh, we always make sure, especially in this wing, to keep an eye on all of our patients, but we'll, we'll be extra diligent here with Nokomos because of this situation, of course. Okay, that's all I just, I just need some reassurance. I'm just really nervous about what's going on. This is all new to me. Are you suggesting that maybe we should have someone from the police department keep an eye on her? Is, is something going to happen with her? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, she's open to this window right here. Like, anybody could, I'm sh I mean, how secure is this window? I, I mean, anybody could open it, break it, you know, or, I don't know, what if somebody just broke in in the middle of the night? I don't know. I'm just worried about her safety when she's telling someone else that I'm with to leave and run and talking about you know, red and... She does have dementia, of course. Uh, I mean, this sounds like maybe we should call the police department and have someone keep an eye on her. Uh, I wish... I mean, I don't know of anybody that's open to right now, but, I mean, if we do have someone, I will gladly send them over. That would definitely be helpful. It seems like there's something going on here. Okay, sure. Like I said, I, I, I just worry for 
McComas's health. Did you guys have anything else that you needed otherwise? No. I would kindly ask you to follow me back. You and Joseph head back out. She locks the door behind you. And you guys walk back. Tilly, you, during this time, have spent just some quality time with your dad. He seems okay, you know. You know that he has bouts, so it's probably best that he stay here, but he kind of has a positive attitude. You know, you feel good for, you know, it's kind of like a, a pocket in time where things feel nice. But uh, let's just say that through the window you can see the rest of your Thunderbirds have gathered back in the main hall. All right. Tilly will say her goodbyes to her dad, give him a little hug, goodbye, and head out. He gives you a hug, and as you kind of pull back from it, he has a warm smile and says, Do your best to help people, Tilly. I know you will. All right. Well, maybe next time I come back, I'll be able to tell you how I helped that lady out. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love that a lot. Tilly will head back to her posse. He waves by as you exit, and you meet up with the rest of the group. The orderlies kind of converge and go back to their desk and continue at their work. Felix finishes jotting down his notes and sees the rest of his his friends gathering. Did you guys find anything at the taxidermy place? Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, we did. Felix is going to get out that piece of paper and then unfold it and show it to Carrie. And as he does that, the Wendigo card falls out of it that he didn't even realize that he took with him. Huh. He picks up the Wendigo card and uh, hands it to Joseph. It's a Native American legend, apparently. For some reason, this card stuck out to us. It was... Uh, in a collection of strange taxidermy subjects that we found at the, uh, in the back office. Strange how? Well, there was all sorts of odd creatures put together. I think they said it was for a Halloween show, but there was a amalgam of, of, uh, of, uh, human and elk bones, and, uh, I think she was trying to make this beast here out of, uh, spare parts. Joseph, you do know what the Wendigo is. You know that the Wendigo is a creature who was once a human who ate other humans and became a cannibal. Their bodies were covered in blood because they feasted on the body parts of other human beings and eventually transformed into this monstrous creature. As you think about this, you remember how just a day ago you woke up in the forest covered in blood with no memory of the previous night. Are, are, are you alright, Joseph? Yeah, um, I haven't heard that legend for a long time. It's not a pretty one. I, you know, explain about the cannibalism, and it's it's a man. It's a human who becomes a cannibal, and because of this, slowly becomes a monster. Frightful. It's interesting you mentioned, though, the elk and man They were said you said they were trying to make. Who, who was this Mio trying to create this? A very macabre display, a bunch of imaginary animals made from different animal parts. Presumably to scare children during Halloween. You would think so, but it's... I look at Carrie, because I'm assuming she knows where I'm going, but it's interesting that Mio created this man-elk figure. We just obviously came from her aunt's room and she handed me this. And I show them the doll, the stick figure doll that looks like a mix of an elk and a man. Quite a connection. 
more than a coincidence, I'd say. Probably a popular story that she got told as a child. Quite a... quite a violent story to tell a child. The medicine men and shaman in our, in our tribes weren't necessarily as coddling as most of society. I see, I see. Well, that's a connection, if nothing else. There's certainly this mythological creature being connected to Mayo and her aunt. So, that's something to go on, at least. She's very, very lost, it seems. Well, at least you tried. Carrie, can you make anything from this piece of paper? There's a phone number on it. Tilly and I tried calling, but there was no answer. The rest of it's been marked out. Well, we might have a way to search up that number, maybe figure out who it belongs to. Tilly is there often, so can can Tilly just go to the counter and ask for a phone book? The orderly kind of sees that you guys are probably in the middle of your investigation and goes back and grabs a phone book for you and hands it over. Okay, so everybody's looking through, kind of trying to spot this number. Felix is the one as he is eyeing all these numbers you know he's he's been in this atmosphere of looking up patient name stuff he is able to spot this number and associate it with a name the name is Gretchen Goodson and Felix makes a connection that Gretchen Goodson is an slightly elderly woman in her early 70s who lives at Shady Oaks And as Felix thinks about this, he remembers that her house is one of the houses whose lights went out. Yeah, Felix is still kind of like, ooh, a chill goes up his spine. He's still like really nervous about going back to his house even. With a audible gulp, Felix lets everybody know whose phone number this belongs to. Perhaps another lead for another day. What about these these markings that have blocked out the rest of the text here? Could you use your some sort of police detective tomfoolery to see under these markings with a black light or something? Felix clearly doesn't know anything about law enforcement. I guess I hold it up to the light to try to maybe see anything. Maybe I grab like the like a or I ask Felix for like a piece of paper and then just kind of like maybe I could turn over the paper it has like the lines and the bumps in the back from somebody writing on it just kind of like you know scribble the orderlies gladly hand over a pencil they're happy to help you guys with whatever you need and the front lobby here there's like an area where you can go sit that's not right up near the desks so you guys kind of have this little table this waiting area over here and you put the paper up against it you use the side of the lead pencil to lightly brush over. Carrie does this. She lightly rubs the lead over the writing. If she applies a little bit more pressure, that she can potentially increase the visibility of what's been written on here. However, she knows that if she doesn't do it correctly, that at this point, because of the condition of the paper, she could tear it. As Carrie precariously tries to apply just the right amount of pressure to deepen the writing on the back of this paper, unfortunately she tears into it. And it was already in a bad condition before, but it seems torn. Felix tries to lighten the mood. It's like, uh, does that count as destruction of evidence? 
it doesn't seem like you're able to maybe discern anything besides the number on here. Which you were able to put a name. Yes, we at least have the lead still. You guys notice the clock? It is almost six. Joseph's stomach rumbles. Y'all want to go get dinner at the Lynn Lounge? I'm I'm down for some food. Little sure. peckish, I suppose. Obviously, we can continue speaking over dinner. Yeah. I want to ask, instead of... Well, I don't care if Joseph rides in the car with me. I want to ask if Tilly will ride in the car with me. Sure. Alright. I'll go with you unless you don't want to be alone. That's just fine, Joseph. You may ride with me. Alright, sure. To be continued next time on The Park. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find me on Twitter at JSOCorp. My name is Sarah. I play Carrie Adam. If you want to follow me, I have a Twitter, Gorebeard, and that's spelled G-O-R, the number 3, B-E-A-R-D. And if you want to talk to me, you can always hit me up on Twitter at ThePineJoseph. If you like what you heard, give us some feedback on iTunes or a thumbing on Facebook under Pine Podcast. Stay tuned with the latest news or download fun interactive material like the Harmony Glade map or welcome guide at our website, pinepodcast.com. Big thanks to Dance with the Dead for letting us use their song Quietly Into the Night as our intro music. Check them out at soundcloud.com slash dancewiththedead, as well as accompanying episode music in the podcast info. See you guys next time.